guys. It's uh, great to have you guys. David's coming. We just had a little technical glitch. So um, just to kind of give you a heads up, we got some more questions. Um, Laura, glad to have you back. Alma, of course, I'm glad. Thanks for the email. Uh, Catherine, good to see you. Larry, I hadn't met you. Lori, I hadn't met you. So I'm excited about everybody else. Daniel, it was great to have your question as well. So I'm super pumped about this. David's coming. He just couldn't hear me. And I didn't want to have to type every question again. Um, he could hear me barely. So we have this in our uh, test. We always do a test. I do a test with every guest. So sorry, just hang out for just a second. And he will be on in just a minute. He just had to restart his computer because there was something with the earbuds or something. And there's an echo if we don't. So it kind of stinks. So um, anyway, we had a bunch of other questions that came in. And Daniel, yours was one of them. Um, we're definitely going to get that covered as well as um, somebody asked about the transparency of how has the web's transparency and the social media um, changed a company's branding strategy. So we're going to get that covered. Mitch, great to see you. <coughs> I still have a cough, but hopefully everybody, how was everybody's, can everybody hear me? I'm just going on and on. Can anybody hear me? Oh, good. Thanks, Cindy. Yay. Okay. Woo. Thought I was just running my mouth. I mean, I was, but as soon as he comes, I'll get him back. Um, and he's he's just texted me, so we're good. He's coming. Um, I'm just going to do no problem. Anyway, so we have Bunchy. If you don't know who David Breyer is, you should check out his website. And I have it um, down here. I will copy Lori, great to have you, and I'm glad you're you're new. No, I'm not breaking Alma, except uh, the day after Christmas. Um, we have somebody scheduled on the 2nd, I think. Um, so if you are trying to get caught up on old design recharges, you can, um, of course. But um, we'll keep going. We have new ones. There's um, Nathan Yoder's going to be on next week. He's a big type, uh, hand-drawn type. He's actually moved from Oklahoma. I had him back in July, I think, or April, maybe. And um, he's going to be back on next week. And he's working at Sevenly. And if you guys don't know what Sevenly is, they do amazing. Uh, they have like a week. And they try to raise as much money as they possibly can to um, give to buy wells or buy, you know, stop dog abuse or anything any kind of cause they make stuff so um anyway it's cool so hopefully i'm gonna get david on in just a second but david Breyer, he was um if you know damon john from shark tank um here comes david but he said that david Breyer was a brilliant in uh branding he was a branding guru you can hear me now david i can hear you so loud and clear i am excited how do we sound guys um, um from the are we both about the same, or am I too loud? Can anybody text me over there? Awesome. You can hear. Thanks, Mitch. Okay. All right. Thanks, Mitch. Mitch, you are a rock star. Oh, Alma, you're a rock star S. <laughs> oh, all of you, you're rock. Oh, David is louder. Oh, it's okay. David is loud. I can, I, I can, I can turn him down a little. You guys. I, I've, I've, um, I've, been I've been told that in life. I want you to know that I'm very. I'm, I've been told that before. <laughs> well, I, I. Can but it's good sometimes to be loud. But we're going to dig in. So give them a little bit of background. Um, 
and all the things that you do. Fast Company Blogger, incredible SlideShare. If you guys don't see him or follow him on SlideShare, you should. He's got excellent free content there. So, David, give us a little background. Um, well, let's let's say. Well, first of all, actually, before I give you background, I, I can give you a lot of background, different stuff. I'd love to know. The we got we have 19 people here. I know the, the people are going to be jumping in. I'd love to know from folks what our spread is as far as uh, designers or people who are folks in, uh, who are connected in the branding side. Um, and you guys can kind of respond in the chat box, and I'll as I'm watching, I'll see what what we've got. But to give you a background, uh, designer and owner, very 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 good. Okay, cool. Who else? Any other any other folks want to chime in? Mitch is an attorney, and he's in Orange or Southern California. I'm not sure if he's Orange County, but he was named Lawyer of the Year in California, so he was big guy and Very cool. super nice. Um, I know uh, Catherine is an illustrator and a, a professor. Um, Alma, she said she was a designer and business owner. Um, Laura is as well, I think, a designer. I know Nikki, Ashley, and Meredith are all designers too. Um, awesome. And Daniel is a designer at UNC, I believe. Very cool. And, uh, Lori, you're new. So Larry, I don't know. All right, very, very good. So I'm, I'm seeing that we got, so we got, uh, you know, a, a mix between designers and business owners, which is awesome, because obviously you got to, to do either of those, you got to be passionate, and uh, otherwise, otherwise you're, you're in for a, a shitty career. You got to be passionate as a foundation. Um, very, very short, uh, short and sweet. Uh, I was born in Brooklyn at a very young age. And uh, then moved to moved to Queens, and then little bit, little stint on Long Island, and then Manhattan. So I'm a New York native New Yorker, and um, I got into the industry as a as a uh, designer and a logo specialist. Um, that was how I entered the industry. I was studying as a uh, as an illustrator and very talented as an illustrator, but I saw at a certain point. Um, particular magazine changed my, my my direction because I realized that 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 was one part I didn't like it being just one little component I wanted it to be the bigger uh, the bigger scope uh, and make sure that what I intended as far as the communication to the, that the in terms of the result that I needed to really control many of the pieces to be able to predictably have an outcome that I knew would occur. Um, and so I started as a logo designer for, I've done stuff for Revlon, for Estee Lauder, New York City Ballet, uh, Jim Henson, etc, uh, etc. Et that is over the course of about 34, 35 years, and I did start this when I was two years old. It makes me very young. Um, the, uh, the basic thing is, is um, it started to expand where it really started to encompass branding. Uh, and how I view that, as a point of clarification, see, to me, branding, there's so many different, there's tons of books. I mean, if you were to, if you were to go and, and uh, go to Amazon.com under books and type in branding, I don't know, there probably would be thousands of books on branding. There's a gazillion philosophies. Um, and the thing that, the thing is, is after reading various of those books, looking at different philosophies, I found that it really came down to four words as far as a definition of branding and why it works for me it is the art of differentiation okay what we are doing as communicators whether we are designers and using visuals and forms as our tools to deliver communication or we're involved in the language side or we're involved in the art direction side or color 
all of those things are part of the overall communication that we are making possible. Um, there's a lot of boring crap out there that is exciting simply because it's branded well. And there's a lot of really exciting stuff that you don't know about because it's branded poorly. Why? Because it fails to differentiate. So that's really, so what happened was from, from specializing as a logo designer into moving forth to really encompass all of branding, uh, it is the art of differentiation. And I use all of those tools very passionately uh, to bring about aesthetics, to bring about communication, to bring about differentiation on the part of my, of my clients. That's, in a nutshell, what I do. All right, cool. So let's just jump in because this is really Q&A. If you guys have questions about branding or if something comes up, just plop, plop it up there and I will bring it on. Um, know your enemy until you love them, Daniel says. That's very true. Um, all right, here we go. So one of the first questions that, that we had was, why is branding considered the most powerful tool for a business? And is it more than just a logo? And I think that's kind of what you just described. And then how can we communicate the importance and branding's depth to our clients? The, uh, the, the importance of branding's, well, there was one word I didn't get in that question. Branding's. Depth. 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 Okay. Very good. All right. So here's, so here's the thing. When I am talking with clients, uh, or anybody delivering seminars, workshops, whatever, I make it very, very clear. Branding is not a cosmetic exercise. I state that right up front. Now, those in the know know that, yes, we are using design. We are using aesthetics. We're using color. We're using these things that help, and some of them fall into the, into the realm of, of cosmetically improving the way something looks. But that doesn't make it a cosmetic exercise. The cosmetic, the cosmetic aspect is the fact that it's a byproduct if you're doing your job and you know what the hell you're doing and you're not a schmuck. <laughs> now, so let's address the schmuck part. <laughs> the basic thing is, is branding is a completely business-oriented tool. Because in business, you either live or you die by what you do. Um, even if something is a, a wonderful cause, let's say it's something that might benefit a region, a city, or a country, it still, from a business standpoint, has to survive. It has to be viable. So the thing with branding, it comes back to that definition, the art of differentiation. Because the thing is, when things are branded poorly, they are commodities. There are, there are, there, there's no perceived value. So as a result, when, things are not, when there's no perceived value, what happens? Basically, things can basically, oh, we'll do it cheaper, we'll do it cheaper, we'll do it cheaper, we'll do it cheaper. And you see all these price wars of all these things because they're the, they forgot about what they were selling. They thought that what they were selling was ice cream, for example. Well, the bottom line is, is and this is, in one of my, this is actually in the SlideShare presentation called What's Killing Your Brand, which you can find uh, online. And, and, Diane, you might have the link that you can pop to them. But, mm -hmm. but what's killing your brand and how to kill it before it kills you goes over the factor of, what people are buying or what people what you're selling as a company versus what people are buying in the case of ice cream let's look at haagen -Dazs. what they made and what they sold was ice cream but what people bought was the ultimate the ultimate adult indulgence or in porsche's case what do they make they make cars well so does kia kia makes cars okay and chevrolet makes cars all well, tons, tons of companies in detroit make cars 
Porsche has a different perception. Well, the thing is, they didn't get confused with what they were making with what they were selling. What they're selling is status in the passing lane. Okay? So it's understanding that, that dichotomy between what is being sold and what's being bought. And that is where differentiation comes in. So if you're talking to anybody, don't fall for them going, oh, well, blah, 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 blah. What I like is, that, that, that equation of what I like, because I will tell you, I have stood in front of a room of 40 stakeholders. This is when I was designing a city. There were 40 stakeholders in this, in that, and there were people from hospitality, hotels, and, there, and uh, retail, and uh, arts, and historical, and this all this kind of stuff. So you had all these vested interests, and they were ready to, they brought their swords. Their swords were ready to be pulled out in any second. They were ready to go into battle to defend their turf. And they're talking about blah, 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 blah. And I said, you know what? This isn't an exercise in what you like. In fact, the least important viewpoint about what this is, is in this room. Your opinion, in other words, does not matter. And I let that hang in the air as it got heavier and heavier and heavier for about three to four seconds. At which point I said, nor is my opinion. It's not about the opinions in this room. It's about the opinions outside of these four walls that we are looking to communicate with. We're looking to build bridges, not fortresses. And so that essentially is the point. And if you understand that clearly to your heart and you're passionate about it, you will be able to, to let anybody know that branding is a tool. And if they don't believe it, tell them to tell Richard Branson that branding isn't a tool, that the late Steve Jobs, that branding wasn't a tool, that, they, that, that the, Nike, the Nike folks, that branding is not a tool. Those companies that make it know how to brand. So that's the simplicity. Anybody's got any got a problem with that? You can, you give them my number. I'll talk to them. <laughs> so some of that has to do with just knowing who you're doing business with and knowing what they like, and that's what's the most important instead of the forty people. Because sometimes big um, groups really have a hard time sizing it down to one thing. So that was kind of one of the questions later. But I'm going to just go ahead and see if I can find it and. Um, so what about when a company needs to rebrand or they're doing a branding like the, the city um, and the key stakeholders are only speaking in vague generalities. How can we get the right information to begin in the right direction? What are the right questions to get, feed, to get the feedback that we need? And then how can I better analyze these answers? Can you answer that one? Completely. First of all, you need to definitely, without question, you need to, uh, you need to, you can go to um, risingabovethenoise.com. And uh, if you look in the top search box, you'll see, just type in 19 questions and rebranding. And you will come up with, it's, it's, a, it's a, an incredible presentation. Over 100,000 people have uh, watched it around the world. Um, it is entitled 19 questions to ask before you rebrand uh, or 19 questions to ask uh, before you start or rebranding questions before you start that's the basic idea it is literally 19 questions that will cut th cut through the crap the the and so that's one part of the of the thing knowing the questions asked of which that slide share absolutely gives you those that will just turn you into a rock star now the part that turns you into a ninja is this <laughs> is that I make it very clear and I would advocate that you do the same. I refuse to work with committees. Now, I understand that there may be two or three or four people um, that might be a core 
If they're a responsible, accountable, decisive core, fine. If they're sort of like someone's uh, safety net to buffer some executive who's too busy to show up, well, then, frankly, fire him as a client. That's bullshit. Pardon my French, that's bullshit. If it's not important enough to show up to, it's not important enough to actually, um, that, you know, to actually do the project. So, but I say no to, com to committees because committees are built on, on a specific premise. They're built on the premise that everyone in the room, whether they know anything or not about anything, must have a voice and debate about it. What the hell is that? You're telling me someone who's never, who maybe has heard the word branding when they worked on a farm and think it has to do with a cow actually is in this room and a person over here who's only, I don't know, done something that has never crossed paths with, with what branding is or doesn't understand business or might come from, and I hope I'm not insulting anybody, but let's say, let's say there's someone from the non, that we've done a couple of, some projects for not for profit, uh, not for profit. And sometimes they'll go, well, we're not for profit, so we can't afford, I said, where did not for profit become your, your, your basic business strategy? That's a, that's a designation as far as a corporate status. That doesn't mean you're supposed to starve and die or be boring and dull and vanilla. So the thing is, is you need to basically annihilate the committee. Committees are not going to, you want, I pretty much only work with CEOs, founders, uh, the decision makers. I'll work with the key people because they're the ones who know, they're passionate, and you're not dealing with the next tier down. Because if you know they're dealing with the next tier down, the next tier down is second guessing and hoping that they're guessing correctly so they don't lose their job for the real person. Well, the real person has to have this as, an import, as a priority, which goes back to the earlier question. How do you convey the actual branding, that branding is an important thing? Well, you have to have that conversation first. And then if that owner, key decision maker, is, does not see, and not see that it is a valuable enough thing to make time for, well, then at that point, you say, you know what? Let me know when this is important enough for, for this to actually be a prioritized thing because I can actually grow your business. I can help you. I can make things better for this company. I can bring the culture together so we don't have this side fighting with this side. Excuse me, we're one company. You know, you, you get all these stupidities that surface at a, from a poorly structured brand. And a, and a, a well-structured brand can do so much more than just simply make, there's the obvious things, yeah, there, there's going to be a better name, there's going to be a better logo, there's going to be a better branding, better imagery. There's always going to be things that are going to be the obvious things. But the uneducated eye is going to see those and think that that's what you just did. You did was something more fundamental that then resulted and made those things possible. That's the difference. Can I get an Amen. Amen. So I, I have a question. Just with teams, sometimes I think um, Laura has a good question, and it's running so fast. I'm gonna get it on there. Um, <coughs> I'm gonna add yours to the queue, um, Daniel. So, but sometimes when it's so big, it feels like you against them, or they're fighting internally, and that the message. And that's why I think the top down, that top tier, is really important. And I know they're busy, but this is. The rest of this is their voice. This is their handshake. So it, they should take the time to give you that for for a meeting. I yeah. would think. Without question. Okay. Without, without question. So Laura says, I wonder if it's the same for not not for profits. They tend to committee things too. I they think a lot of times they committee no, things to death. They committee things to death. Nobody, nobody wants to take responsibility. That's correct. And sometimes as a as a business. 
it's, you know, it's going to be on my shoulders if it's my business. So I'm going to take responsibility, but they don't want to step on toes. And there's all these kind of uh, political things that you have to do maybe more in a not-for-profit. Do you have any advice for dealing with that? Stick to your guns. Bottom line is, is they, if they knew the answer to the problem, would you be in that room? <laughs> sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta point out the obvious. It's like if you knew the answer to the problem, why would I be here? <laughs> yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be that straight up. You just gotta be that straight up. Ask, he wants um, to know. He wants see. to know. Brand identity follows the creation of a mission statement. That's right. Okay. Yep. I, all right. So Daniel, thank you for that question. The 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 mission statement is a, is a is a an interesting thing. You know, that's something that's kind of crept up, and there's and there's so many various interpretations. What what is the mission statement? This and that, the other, blah blah blah. Um, and I see I, I have seen companies get really hung up on this mission statement thing. Um, when I see a lot of of of, of fixed attention on a particular thing. Especially when it kind of grinds everything into, like, all of a sudden, we're moving along, and now all of a sudden, and everyone's kind of like, you know, everyone's kind of like, no, now we're going to think, and we're going to philosophize, and they're looking, again, internal, 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 wrong direction. Brands are out. Brands look out. Brands embrace. Brands bridge us to them. Brands, the best brands, will actually be an extension of the values of the the audience that you're going after the best brands do they are about values they're not about things they're a little bit bigger now so the thing is is mission statement whether you want to call it a mission statement or whether you want to call it if you're familiar with Simon Sinek he's a he's a good author I'll just type in his uh, I'll type in his name here he's he's awesome and, he has a yeah, Simon, TED talk as well yeah he's a great TED talk he does and it's like and basically start with why Okay, and that TED talk really does. That's it's a great, great TED talk. Uh, but Simon Sinek, he talks about starting with your why. And so whether it is finding your why, finding the passion, finding how you're different, finding the thing that you're making possible, that you're bringing to the world that others have just have over overlooked, or maybe there's an audience that's been completely underserved. Right? Maybe there's like a really passionate audience out there that's been underserved. Obviously, Starbucks went through that recently, coming up with their blonde approach, right? Because not everybody likes likes cremated uh, beans. <laughs> cremated beans, I like that. So, uh, <laughs> but the thing is, is that you know, I mean, you don't, you don't have to burn your beans to death. Um, so, you know, so they they realized that there was an underserved audience, so they went so they went after that. I mean, frankly. That's that's I, I am a, a very very passionate coffee drinker and kind of an espresso snob. But the thing about that is that I've been drinking what's called first crack because when you're actually roasting, it's kind of it hits like a first crack and you don't go beyond that. The interesting thing that few people know that coffee good you know educated informed coffee drinkers will will know is that the lighter the roast, the more actual caffeine you actually get, not the darker, and you actually can have a very full-bodied coffee with a lighter roast and get more caffeine. So the thing is, is, you know, what's that? Is that how you have so much energy? I, frankly, I, I actually, I were, I, for whatever reason, I actually haven't had espresso for two days. So this, is, this just shows you how much it hits. This is two days after. <laughs> 
I want to make sure that I didn't explode onto the screen. <laughs> I'm glad. That's good. Um, yeah, for So I, I think sometimes it's that top tier that really understands what the why is. Like why I, we made this company and why we did this. So they really understand. And a lot of times maybe the guy in... Um, that's doing in the mailroom might not understand the why as much. And I think that's one of the things maybe Apple's done pretty well and some other really good brands have done because they keep it really simple and it's like, this is what we're about. Um, oh, yeah. that's good, Linda. I call it the why that makes you cry. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then the, and the, other, the other point is that to answer, just going to fully answer Daniel is that, and you're welcome, Daniel, is that by getting that why, by getting that why are we doing this, what problems are we solving, uh, who are we important to, or here's the $64,000 question, why should anybody give a damn? That's mm. a great one. That cuts through the crap like, man, like a hot knife on butter. Why should anybody give a damn what we're doing? Why should anybody care? And who are those that actually should care? But by doing that, before you get into the design process, you bypass the whole, well, I like, I don't like, because now you have a criteria. Now you've got a reason why you're doing what you're doing, which, frankly, you know, granted, there are some designers out there who just crush it, and they're great. And we all have our great moments of like, oh, wow, we're just something just, we lucked into it, and it just was perfect and great, and everyone loved it, and it sold, and this and that, the other, but it was kind of luck, Right. And then, then you kind of try try that a few more times. You'll sometimes you'll hit, and other times you'll miss. But by actually putting this in the correct sequence, by getting the the why, getting the actual what are we doing, why are we doing it, who gives a damn, etc., etc., etc. Before now we can do all the other stuff. It makes sense. It's logic, and you always have that as a referral point. And it's no longer about well, I went home, and my wife doesn't like that color. To which I respond, that's good because your wife isn't the audience. Thank you. <laughs> Boy, that is a frustrating one. Anybody had that? Write it over in the chat. I get that a lot. All right, so Mitch has a great question. It says, Should professionals who work for large companies focus on branding the company, focus on branding themselves, or focus on doing both? Let me make sure I got this straight. So, so all right, so Mitch, so you're, you're asking, here's an individual. Here's an individual. They work in a big company. Should they work on branding the company or themselves? Is that what you said? Is that the question? Do I understand that? Because those are two different those are two different agendas. And and let me mention. I'm going to clarify this, and then you can respond in, in the chat. See, the thing is, is obviously one is there's your career, and then there's the then there's the business there's which has its own goals, and then there's the business. Now, obviously, if it's your business, obviously, ideally, those two things go together, and they're one. But if you are are, you know whatever, Nacho Freeman or whatever one's name is. So we got Nacho Freeman and, and he's working for Taco Bell. <laughs> the thing is, is if he's, it depends what the, what the objectives are. It sounds like there's a little bit of like a, a I don't quite get the thing because one is a per, one's personal brand. And if you're doing your job great, like, like look at, look at, look at the John Eve, right? Over Apple. He's never promoted the John Eve brand, but look what he's done for Apple, and as a result, it's come back to him. You know, Steve Jobs was all about, it wasn't about Steve Jobs, it was about, he was passionate about what he did for Apple, and wouldn't compromise on that, and of course, it reflected back on him. The great, the great minds, the great leaders, who are innovators and geniuses, it, those two things come together beautifully. So, Mitch, what do you got to say about all that? 
Mitch, everyone's waiting. The world is waiting. Well, what about when so here, hang on. He's I asked him if he wanted to come on screen. So may, he may pop on with us and uh and see if I can get a preview. We will do that. So I mean, I mean, when Yeah, go ahead. So um so what about like when if you were trying to get a job and they wanted you, you already were a personal brand and they wanted a company wanted you to send out things with you uh, at your you know Twitter handle or your what your whatever what would be that how would you um, say no to that I don't think Mitch is gonna uh, do it I don't know it's not working but oh no there he goes here hang on a second here we come hopefully hey guys. you guys will be able to see hey Mitch hey Mitch hey guys hey David hey Diane great conversation no David where I was going with that is I always tell young lawyers focus on branding themselves. Um, I'm really into people creating careers for themselves when they work for large law firms. These large law firms and a lot of our corporate clients, they want their soldiers to be promoting the company, promoting the widgets, com promoting what the CEO is doing, and the corporation is answering to the shareholders. The corporation is looking at bottom line profits. They don't have these young employees' best interest in mind, in my humble opinion. Okay, and I really think it's important for people to balance the branding of the company and support the company and support the project, but at the same time, start building a name or a brand for themselves. So that's kind of where I was approaching I the it. question. So you did from I, no, having mm -hmm. So how do you go about doing that? What do you recommend? Well, I think there's I think there's two issues. I think I think one is um, obviously if they're hired by a company, they need that's the, first and foremost they need they need to obviously provide value as as a paid person. So so that that's one thing. Concurrent with that, they should be building themselves and have done well. This this will everyone comes out ahead. They should be also building themselves up as an expert or authority. Because concurrent with that, mm -hmm. then they then that has added value as them within the corporate structure, but it also has added value to them personally, independent. So I'm all about empowerment. I'm all about that if I'm doing better, my clients are doing better. And if my clients are doing better, I'm doing better. Um, if I run into clients, and, and it's, whether, it's a, whether it's a client whether it's a client-consultant relationship or it's an employer-employee relationship, I think it's comparable, in that um, if I feel like that I'm being in any way like, well, I've got to be less of myself to work with them, that's wrong. And I think that if an employee has to be less of themselves to successfully thrive in a corporate structure, there's something wrong there too because there's a misalignment. So I think if you get the proper alignment, you'll find those passions and those interests and the, the what's going to expand the company is going to expand the individual and vice versa. Makes sense to me. I think that's a great answer. Thanks. Well, I think, I, I think Mitch would have these young people, they need that guidance, but they also need to be um, giving insight into what they're learning. And I think that that could be part of their personal brand. That part of is you know all these insights that they're coming out with that's sharing and it's it that builds that personal brand but it doesn't affect I mean you wouldn't obviously want to share anything negative or bad I don't think you know not against the company but all things that they're learning that would help somebody else and then that just builds their brain because I think a lot of people would start off with a company and then at in some 
point hopefully try to have their own firm. And a lot of times that happens with designers as well. Um, I know Nathan Yoder, um, who I have on next week, he worked for an uh, advertising agency and then, but he was building this brand on Instagram of Nathan Yoder, of his hand-drawn type. And then finally, he got a job with Sevenly, and he's able to draw now every day hand-drawn type. And that that was what he wanted, and he built that on the side. And I think the same thing with anybody working. You just don't want to go against what your company, you don't want anything, because then if people want to work with your company, you brand for, I would say, you know, hey, this is something I did for whoever my company was. But I also have, you know, these projects that are very, I would think that they were delineated, that they were separate enough. Don't you think? Both of you. What, what, about, what about, let's say you're working for a large company. Let's just say it's a law firm and you happen to have a passion in baseball. So you start a blog and you're writing about coaching baseball or following professional baseball players while you're working for the law firm. Everything you do, you're supporting the law firm, you're supporting its brand but independently on the side after hours you're following your passion and you're blogging about being that lawyer that knows baseball. Yeah. I guess that's what I was talking about. It's, it, it keeps life interesting. It keeps you from just, you know, getting the life sucked out of you well, working yeah. for a big corporation. Well, that's right. And it differentiates. So it differentiates. Exactly. I don't know if that's branding. Is that branding though or is that kind of brand, brand, brand suing a side a side interest? Well, actually, I think it was—I think it was—I um, think it was Bezos from Amazon who said, "Your brand is 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 what they say about you when you're not in the room." So the thing is, is you, that, yeah. you know, yeah, absolutely, that's your brand. You know, you, you know, the brand isn't just all every initiative that you, that you and I make in the world and the the, the drum that we beat. It's it isn't just that. It is it is actually. Where, where do the chips fall when it's all said and done? Because here's the, because here's, here's the, just compliments what I covered earlier in terms of differentiation. The killer of differentiation is cliches. Cliches, the overused, always vanilla, heard it a thousand times before, promises and, and proclamations and declarations. You know, when a, comp when a corporation has to say how authentic they are and how many, and how many professional years of experience they have, and how they really have your interests in, in you know, that's the closest thing for them. It's like, well, if you have to say that, there's something fundamentally wrong. Yeah. Who gives a damn about all that? Plus, not only that, but all that has been heard a gazillion times before. So that fails from the standpoint of, one, being authentic, two, being anything that anybody will give a damn about, but three, and most importantly, the factor of differentiation. It fails to differentiate. So... Yeah, one has to one has to be passionate about stuff. One has to be human, and one has to differentiate. And if you're not known for any of those things, well, you will fail to differentiate, and you'll be just another gray suit. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I don't have my gray suit on. I love that answer, David. It was really nice to meet you, Same Diane. Here. I'm going to kick it back over to you. It's always good to see you, and you guys have a great day. Okay, thank you. Okay. You're very Bye. welcome, Mitch. Thank Bye -bye. you for joining us. Okay, so let's answer this question because I think this is a good segue. We're totally jumping around. Number seven, if you get the email. Does it take a big budget to dominate in your market or to be able to differentiate? Can you talk about that? I totally can talk about that. I, I, have, I have worked with startups that have had very, very small um, pockets, okay, uh, with even smaller bills inside those small pockets. And then the coins, they, they were minuscule. I had to get out my microscope. But the thing is, is... Um, 
branding is, is a key part of it is ingenuity is uh, what are you willing to do? Are you willing to put your ass on the line? In other words, what, what wild things can we do that will actually get us some notice, get us some recognition, that will let the world know that we really stand for something and we're really behind it 100%? Because let's look at, let's look at the reality. You look at the, you, I, I hope there's, there's no, well, I'm, I, this is, I'm not, what I'm about to say is not, not to open up a big, uh, uh, a big war of, of computer allegiances, computer brand allegiances, but here's an example. Two years ago, I think it was two years ago, Microsoft hires an agency for $350 million to market their Surface, to, to do a lot of the new branding. You know, they had their Windows 8 and the, the, the new brand and the new look and the new feel. And Surface was part of that, which was Windows entry into the tablet market, into the iPad market. one surface two it's you know they thought they could do it with like these cool ads and the ads were, were great eye candy i admire the ads but the bottom line is is 350 million dollars the problem is is that they did not complement and this is another thing you should check out i, I actually go over this in, in a video i think it's called the worst word in branding if you type in if you google the worst word in branding you'll find a, a youtube video that i that i had created uh which goes over this but the bottom line is is their intelligence and understanding was here, actually here, and their budget was here. That gap is very costly, very, very costly. It's much easier to make a killing when you actually have higher intelligence and, and less money. But if you can do both and you can be smart and have the wherewithal to really use the money wisely, then you can kick some butt. So no, it is not a prerequisite. The prerequisite <laughs> is intelligence. The, pre the prerequisite is willing to be noticed. The prerequisite is not, is, is not adhering to the sacred cows of mediocrity and the land of Vanillaville, Vanillaville and beige. So if you're willing to like be a little bold, go for it. Rock on and kick some butt. So it's really knowing where to put your money and knowing what things are going to work for your market best. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is, is if you're going after a market, you got to know something about that market. Let's bring it down to a real simple, simple example. If I'm going to talk to somebody with the goal of building a bond, how successful am I going to be if I don't know a damn thing about that person? Right. Now, what if, I, what if I actually learn a few things about that person? Now, I can learn some things, but I could Google them. I could do some things. I could do it that way. Or I could say, hey, you know what? We've never actually sat down and chatted before. What are you, what, what are you into? I mean, you know, what do you do in your off time? Let's talk. And you find out about that person. You learn about them. All of a sudden, you find out, well, they love cars, and they love this, and they love this kind of food, and they're, they're fanatical about chocolate, and they love coffee, and da 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 You find out whatever you find out. Well, that's going to be a heck of a lot easier to build a rapport now that you have some information than if you had none. So have some information, collect your information, know who you're talking about, and you may be one of the people you're talking about. A lot of some of the best inventions have been based on the inventor ran into a frustration, ran into a barrier. And I'll give you this. I love this analogy. My wife and I have been involved in, in, in some projects outside of work 
that all of philanthropy based. And people were saying, well, how come you guys were so successful with it? And our, and our answer to the question was this. We answered, well, every time we ran into a door, like war, or actually we realized that everyone always runs into doors when they were going down this path. Well, when others ran into the doors, they were like, oh, darn a door. And when my wife and I ran into a door, we were like, oh, cool, a way in. <laughs> and so the thing is, is, it's like, good, you run into a door. Awesome. There's a way in. Let's find the key. Let's pick the lock. Let's, there's a door. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. So let's talk about that customer. So what does an engaged customer look like? And how can designers create brands that, that build that trust that you were talking about? And make the company feel and be authentic. So what is an engaged customer? Give me that question one more time. There are lots of nuances to that Sorry. one. Give me that one more time. So what does an engaged no customer look like? And how can... Well, normal, normally, normally about... Well, first, let me answer that. Normally about 6'2", very good looking, uh, fairly athletic. All right, next part. <coughs> oh, boogers, I can't ever be an engaged customer. I'm 5'1". <laughs> Um, okay. um, how can designers create brands that evoke the authenticity uh, and the the trust that you're talking about? Because I think it's I think it's harder, uh, it maybe harder for some brands, older brands, to start that authenticity. Um, but can you talk about that a little bit with social? Totally. Um, is is this per is, is this person online right now? Are, are they are they able to chat? Do I have a couple of questions I'd love to ask? No, not online. Do we have? Not online. Okay. So, um, all right. So, I would say, I would say it starts with a an insatiable curiosity. You've got to be like you, you, you and a willingness to to knock down to knock down barriers. Basically, in other words, to say okay. There may be some sacred cows that I run into. Like in other words, this is the way everybody's done it. Because uh, let me actually, I'm going to back up to give you to give you a scenario. There tends to be two schools of thought. There tends to be the renegades who walk in and say, "That's it. I, that's it. I'm rebelling against everything. We're we're going to start everything new. We're going to reinvent everything. Da 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 da. And they're going to deconstruct everything and they're going to reconstruct it and come out like amazing, the phoenix rising from the ashes, uh, and be innovative and geniuses, etc. Then there's the other school of thought which goes down the road of Oh well, let's see what's been done before and what's worked, and let's emulate that. Okay, there are pluses and minuses to each. So, with understanding those two sides, my answer is: be insatiably curious, be very, very, very um, interested in what are the actual problems. Don't blindly accept people's conclusions. I'm telling you this: this you should have tattooed along your back or your forehead in reverse, so every time you look in the mirror, it's right reading. Do not accept just random conclusions that are given to you, this is the way it is. Because 90% of the time, it's not. And I'm not saying, well, the wall's there, the wall's not there. I'm talking about stuff such as, well, everybody knows that blah, 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 that people, well, who's the everybody? And what's what, what evidence backs this up? And is the evidence, like, for example, people will say, oftentimes, they'll say, hey, you know, people love the lowest price. To which I say, one of my favorite words, bullshit. 
The reason people love the lowest price is because there is a failure on the part of companies to actually provide a differentiation and a value. In the absence of that differentiation and value, all of a sudden, you have everyone just, oh, cheaper this, cheaper this, cheaper this. Why is it cheaper? And why is price the only thing that anybody cares about? Because there's no perceived differentiating value. In absence of a differentiating value, you will have price being the only thing that people argue about and clamor for and go nuts over. How was it that Starbucks was able to come out and, with coffee 30-some years ago? And all of a sudden, coffee that was 35 cents is now 3 bucks. Right. They provided an environment, an aura, an oasis. It was like, what? What was the difference? Do you? And let's let's go back to the wonderful year of 2010, the year of really really crappy economy. Okay, lousy year for economy. People are saying there's n analysts and 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 those who are like market, you know, uh, consultants and gurus are saying, hey, we no one's spending money. Blah 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 blah. But yet, all of a sudden, out of the blue. Apple comes out with the iPad, to which people are circled around the blocks of, of Apple stores around the world, all because their lives are now incomplete. They have $800 plus to spend on this tablet, which now never existed before. All of a sudden, new category. Their life was incomplete 12 hours ago. Right? I mean, it obviously must have been. So the thing is, is all of a sudden out of the blue, yet we had this incredible, incredible, it's like people couldn't pay fast enough. So the thing is, why? Because there was a value. They looked at the, they looked at a practicality. They looked at a society going more mobile. They looked at that need and desire to have their world, the, your internet world, being connected right there on this beautiful tablet, beautiful interface, etc., etc., etc. So the thing is, is you have to look and and look at those opportunities and see. Does I hope that that helps? Yeah, that's great. Okay, let's go on to. Um... <laughs> We're going to, because we only have a few minutes left, so I want to make sure we get some of these. So uh, Daniel really had a question that kind of went with, if you're following along with the email, if you get, got the email. So I'm going to kind of pull these together. So the standards manual, um, is that something you should send to every client? What to do, what not to do with their logo, or only if it's requested? Can you answer that quick, do you think? Sure, sure. Um... It depends on the size of the organization and depends on the growth of the organization. If it's a young organization, it's going to be going through a lot of changes and they're in an innovative uh, spurting of creativity phase. Uh, it's probably premature for them to have something like that. But if it's a bigger company, especially bigger company, where basically you have more opportunities for, the, for everything you've done to be screwed up, that's where the size, the opportunity for screw up is, commend, is parallels with how much that standards manual is going to be absolutely a mandatory necessary item. Okay. <laughs> That's good to know. All right. And then um, let's see. Uh, can you address the importance of communication and those logo guidelines um, and the compliance of those guidelines? Um, maybe in maybe a larger organization, because I know that's where uh, Daniel's at a larger organization. Um, I don't, I don't know if I've not answered that already. Um, Maybe. I, I mean, I, I think, I think, I think the, the manual, the manual will help in terms of the communication because it will, it will be a reference point. Um, that's, I think that that's, that's the simplicity. And if you're dealing with, uh, communication, I, I'm a firm advocate in being, in running a benevolent dictatorship. 
and uh, rather than democracy, I think democracies democracies are no better than uh, than um, committees. And that doesn't mean you welcome people's contribution and their involvement and participation, but it doesn't mean that everything is equal. You know, participation and empowerment does not mean everyone's equal. So it's just a differentiation. Okay. All right. So then, um, what is a branding strategy? What does it entail? How involved is it? And how long will it take to implement? And I would think it's forever implementing. You're always implementing a branding strategy. Yeah, it's always, it's always evolving. Um, that's a big question. That's kind of like saying how much is a car? And they all have four wheels, but then you got the ones that are like for twelve thousand, and you got the ones for about uh, four four hundred and fifty thousand. Right. Uh, so the a brand strategy. Um, in a nutshell, a brand strategy is, a, is, if you go back to the definition I gave you with the art of differentiation, it is really a study in, in differentiations, okay? You're, uh, a big part of my brand strategies involve the, um, the actual competitive analysis because I'm, I, I am looking, what are, what's on the playing field? If everybody's, like, because it's a study in cliches, it's a study in differentiators. So if I'm looking at, if I'm looking at, well, Every, like, for example, what did Dyson do? Dyson was an innovator, but he created this, this uh, he happened to just create this vacuum cleaner. But he, he found that this was an industry that hadn't changed, I don't know, 50, 60, 70, whatever, how many years it had been in. And everyone was complacent and happy. All they, were, they, they were happy to just cosmetically change the outer casings and stuff like that and the chassis. But there wasn't, what about, was there a more fundamental problem? And so... Dyson, he finds this more fundamental problem. He does. He uses design as a great tool for the product. It creates this turbine thing. You, as the user, see it. It looks totally different, and everybody instantly, overnight, everybody became. Everybody else became yesterday's news. Who were who were allegiant to that? That's the old sacred cow. That's the way it is. And then they changed. The, they changed the industry, and, they, and they've you know they've sold tens upon tens of millions of those units, and. Um, Anyway, so that 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 found was based on a strategy, as far as I was concerned. There was a passion, and then it was backed up by a strategy, which then made it possible for him to do it. And a strategy can take anywhere from three weeks to uh, to uh, uh, two months, depending on the complexity of the business. So, why do startups routinely fail? What what's their focus, and where should their focus be? Okay, startups routinely fail for a few reasons, and one you're going to want to check this out. There's a there's a um, if you go to, to if you go to our site risingabovethenoise.com and you look and you type in I'm going to type this in for you. It you type in skin rehab. Okay, skin rehab. I'll give you this as a case study, just quick, very quickly. But that shows you a good example, and then also another example is milestone systems is another example. Um, but that, which was a rebrand, but they had forgotten what they were doing. Same problem with, with, with both. The problem was they were focused on what they were doing. In other words, like, let's just look at what we're doing. Let's just look at our little world. And in the skin rehab thing, they, when they first came to us, skin rehab, great, great, I mean, love these guys. And we're passionately talking about this stuff. And skin rehab, when they first came, Susie is the owner, Susie came and she goes, you know, David, I'm calling it skin tech. And um, I said, I said, okay. And I started, tried to work with that. And after spending about a week and a half looking at this and working with it and trying to make it all make sense to me, I'm like, I realized that skin tech was called skin tech because they use this really high tech stuff 
that really was amazing when you actually knew about it and learned and saw what it did. But if I came to you and I said, hey, you interested in this, you're interested in this skin tech service? You'd go, what the hell skin tech? What is it? You have no clue. So when we looked at this, we, saw, we, we identified, backed it up, identified who's the, who's the audience. We know we're gonna, it's going to be a lot of women who's going to be the audience. For, this, is a, this is a mobile skincare service, meaning that it literally goes to, it'll go to this condo. It'll be there for a while. There, there's, there's the actual finished logo. And so the thing that happened was, was skin tech in, in designing this, um, I looked at well, they're they're going mobile. They're they're actually bringing it the most the ultimate inconvenience. You only have to go downstairs, make your appointment, and what's the outcome? What's the what's going to make things better for you? Well, you're going to look younger. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Well, anti-aging we also know is one of the most crowded categories. Very very hard to, to come up with something new. So our whole thing was well, let's look at this, and we developing the name. Then we came up with skin rehab, which instantly you know like well that's you know outside of celebrities who go in and out of rehab and kind of, you know, like a, like a busy little late night motel, um, you've got skin rehab, you get the concept plus restoring what's rightfully yours. You know, that tells a story and we wanted it to convey all natural. So the whole thing was choosing the color palette, but actually creating, this is all created by hand, this S and the R, uh, there was no, no S and R I started out with as a starting point and, um, Anyway, so that's the that's the thing with regard to this the, that we want the 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 nature of the lettering to actually look natural by its very presence without it saying and using the overused term of all natural, which kind of unfortunately mean has become not meaningless these days. Thank you very Diane for the logo is and for all the kind comments from people. Beautiful. I mean, your logos are, and what I love is that he's really reaching in. His logos look different for every, every, every person. Every, it's not always the same. You don't get David Breyer and you get the exact same logo. You're really listening to the that audience, which I think is really cool. And if you're not familiar with these exactly. things, you you scroll off of them and then you you can scroll back on them and then you can move them wherever. Um, but I'm the only one who can take them off the screen. So do you want to talk about the undo? Oh, David, your talks are always out there. They definitely are informational and definitely entertaining. He is not a boring... Well, thank you, Ann Ford. <laughs> Here's a question about um, standards manuals. Do you have any links to examples or something? Um, let me see if I can bring up her question exactly. Um so, speaking of standards manuals, do you have any good resources for those of us who never have done them before? I would, I would simply, I mean, Google is going to be a great resource for you. I would just, I would simply Google um, um, graphic standards manual, and you'll, you'll end up with a number of PDFs of different corporations. That's the best way to do it. I, I I've seen a lot over the years. I don't, <coughs> I don't store them. Or have a resource for them, but you've got from ver from very simple, which could be twenty, you know, like fifteen, uh, sixteen to twenty pages, to ones that can be in the hundreds of pages. Um, and and again, of course, those are megacorps. Gina says she is skin rehab, so that's awesome. Gina, rock on with your bad self. It's a beautiful logo. Anyway, so let's let's keep going. Um, what's um one thing that you can do instantly? to make your social media gain traction? Mm. Okay. It's a lovely notion. That's a lovely notion. If I knew the answer to that, I might not tell you. No. <laughs> no. 
basically, <laughs> you know, I, I personally, I do not know of a silver bullet that's going to be like the magic blah, blah. You know, the, it's, it's to me, it is, I liken social media to this analogy. Imagine, if you would, a room. And in one corner, I have this terrifically talented classical violinist. Amazing. Over here, I have this gentleman that plays timpani and world class. And over there, I've got a cellist that's just incredible. And over, you know, in the back room, I've got Yo-Yo Ma, right? And the thing is, they're all kind of like practicing, doing all that stuff. But yet, until I, as the conductor, take out my music and go and get them all sitting together and give them the music and establish a tempo right and imagine imagine all of those imagine all of those being you know one of them being uh, facebook one of them being twitter one of them being a blog and all these different things unless they're actually all or they all have that the conductor and the music sheet and all of that <laughs> they're not going there's not going to be music there will not be something lovely that people will then all of a sudden start filling up and gathering around saying wow what is that incredible sound so I, I would love to I'd love to give you and myself in the spirit of giving this great gift of immediate just fame, fortune, success and wealth. And then we can all just like meet in the Bahamas and sort of celebrate over a good margarita. But I don't have that answer. Okay. <laughs> so um can you talk really quick about the makeover for the Napa Valley based company that catapulted sales over nine hundred percent in the in two years? Which totally. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it's 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 great. And and I and I uh, first of all, I'm just I'll give you the summary. Definitely go to the go to risingabovethenoise.com and uh, type in Napa Valley and Botanical Bakery, uh, and and you will get the whole case history as well as the before and after. You want you need to see the before and the after. Very very amazing because what happened was was my thing. My key important thing is. I want to find out the most about the individuals behind this. What are their passions? Uh, nine times out of ten, you'll find passions. The one or two out of ten, you'll find that it's okay. It's just, they're just in it for the money, and there's not really any passion there. Okay, you, so you got to dig and you got to figure out what's going to work, and that's a different sort of set of circumstances. But in this case, um, you know, it was just it was just an amazing thing because I found that she was there was a real spunky rebelliousness in this category of shortbread cookies. Now, if you know the history of shortbread cookies, it tends to be a rather proper, a proper sort of English thing with a little bit of tea and a pinky in the air. You have that in the afternoon, and uh, and how and how is your poodle? You see. Now, this is obviously not that English heritage. This is our rebellious angle to it. But we, if you'll notice, you'll see that there's the botanical bakery. The lips that are below the logo are actually it's a leaf there you go there's the, that is made up of a leaf and and that little the little sort of smirk the little bit of mischievousness natural delectable unapologetic this resonated with foodies intensely now you need to again let's go back to knowing your public foodies are passionate those who love coffee are passionate people who love chocolate are passionate people who love cars are passionate it's great when you can find a passionate audience um, so the thing in this case was Knowing that that the the whole gourmet category tends to be quite crowded and everybody's doing this and doing that, I wanted to approach it from a different standpoint and give this natural this botanical bakery taking this lip, this leaf and turning it into these smiling lips that are just um, 
it just worked out beautifully. And if you go back to the, if, if Diane, if you could bring back the packaging, you'll see that the leaf lips end up speaking the actual flavor. And then I chose a color palette that was just gloriously different. Um, and you'll see there's a little speech bubble with beautiful color. And you see each of the lips, like lipstick, each of the lips took on for different flavors, different colors. And and the flavors were great. The language was great. Plus, we included on the back. There, you, there's a great example right there. Say ginger squared. The the totally co color corresponded. Fennel. You see fennel pollen in the front. Lavender on the on to the left side. But and so all of these worked beautifully with the with with a little raffia uh, ribbon at the top. And you got to see the product on the side. But it was this was a great example. This was a, they did not have a big budget. Worked very intently with them to really just make it pop out. And the thing is, is that people stopped and looked and gawked at these because they stood out on the shelf. And then you had a very passionate and fun and, and engaging owner who would do demos and would travel around. And you got them in. And, and, and uh, there you go. So there you have it. So do you want to talk about undo at all? Because I do have that video if you want to. Um, I can start it and stop it in the middle or something if you want or do you want to just talk about something how this changed and how they just rocked well well uh, well I'll, I'll give i'll give you i'll give you a, a one minute thing and then i think i think that i think the viewing public should absolutely uh dig this video this it's a great video basic thing was was 2200 sales reps were coming and they only knew that something new was going to be presented but they had no idea and so there was the so there was the context of there was the context of um, mystery, and so so all we knew, all we knew is something something special was going to happen. Now, behind the story is that we knew that this was one of the items that uh, this category of skincare is something that actually had been something that they had been requ requesting for a few years, and now all of a sudden this was going to come into light. And so the the lights dim, the place goes pitch black. And then they get to see this for the very first time, not knowing what it is. I thought it would autoplay, but maybe it won't. Maybe you'll just have to hit play. Ah. Why isn't it playing? Is it playing for anybody else? Hit play and it works. Mine won't let me, but that's okay. Anyway, for those, I don't know if everybody can see it, um, but what happens is it's going, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to take it off. So um, you get all these beautiful images, and it's really dark, but it starts with rain, and it's just sounds at first. So can you kind of go through what what happens? Yeah, based, um, basically, in short, what happens is that the first half of it literally just gives you these abstract, these abstract things of something that looks incredibly high tech, like something 
like something from uh, 2001 or something from, uh, I mean, just really very, you, you kind of like, what is this? It just looks like something beyond the beyond. And then it's not only, it's not until the middle that we actually say introducing or uh, introducing next revolution in skincare. And then you start to see what it is. And the place went ballistically. They went just insane. You know, people standing on chairs, screaming, getting chills, you know, cheering. It was, you know, it was like the, I don't know. It, it was, it was like something, it, it was like a real, a re, it's the way a brand launch or product launch should be, is generating that level of excitement. And also. But definitely view, please. Please view the view the video. It doesn't do justice to talk. Just talk and about. And you it. can uh, look at it on YouTube. You can just hit undo skincare, and it'll or yeah, I think so. If you do that, it'll uh, pop up. Or you can go. To, you can go. You can go to our site, and it actually gives the whole background and, and the and the video play. Excellent. All right. So. Yep. Um, we only have a couple more questions, but I want to make sure um, if I make sure I got everything that I could. Um, What's the best naming strategy used on a product launch to launch? What is the best? You were talking about this. The naming strategy that was used to launch uh, 2,200 sales reps that crushed it. This is it. This is the undo, right? Was it? Undo. Undo. Exactly. Yeah. And the, and the whole, the whole, and the, and the naming concept behind that uh, was the factor that, Again, looking at an extremely um, um, very, very, very competitive category of anti-aging. I mean, every, you know, I mean, how many commercials are on anti-aging every day? Uh, a very, very, very competitive category. So our whole concept was, well, you know, what if we could? What if you know, life throws a lot of curveballs our way, and, and it shows up on our on our face and how we look and our demeanor and this, that, the other. What if we could actually just undo that? And of course, do is about moisture, and so we we just took a, we merged these two things in terms of undo. Uh, and and anyway, it just it's it's it was catchy. It was something that short that also it had to work. Here was the other trick: we needed a name that worked in America, that worked in Mexico, and worked in Korea. That was the other challenge. Mm. So that makes it very challenging because you can't just come with a, uh, an American word that goes okay. So so. There might be some that might say, well, but do is about moisture, and if you're undoing, then you're unmoisturizing, da, 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 da. that's fine. If somebody wants to have that kind of discussion, go for it. <laughs> Bottom line, you know, it's whatever. That that person's not going to become a client, and so that's totally okay. You know, but it, it sticks with everybody else. It resonated with the with the Mexican audience, it resonated with the Korean audience, and it resonated here. And it's also memorable. It's like you're like, oh, I'm gonna get some undo. I'm gonna like, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna undo. I'm gonna undo yesterday. You know, I mean, you can you can start to have fun with it. Okay. So last question: What's the primary and most commonly overlooked mistake brands routinely make that loses more business market share and attention than anything else? I think it's a great way to end. Hopefully. Absolutely. Well, basic thing is, is I I touched upon it a little bit earlier, and it really is this. It is, it, it's the double-edged sword of knowledge. And what I mean by that is when you go into a client, they're going to know all about their stuff. And they're going to have all this facts, figures, da 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 But you're there for a reason because, they, you know what, all those things don't matter. They're, they have an ocean of data. There's only a few drops that matter. They don't know which drops. So they're drowning. <laughs> okay. So the thing is, is that it is the fact that they are looking at what they're doing they're looking at what their activity is. 
and they have forgotten about the audience, which is where a brand comes alive. And so they do that. They do that from the standpoint of naming. They do that from the standpoint of how they focus on their on the company. They do it from the standpoint of how they try and build the culture, and and it comes down to this horrible truth: the products and the brands that we market only make things. Basically, what they do is they actually make things possible. They're means to an end. In and of themselves, they are unimportant. Even the most favorite truffles that I love, chocolate truffles, I love them. I devour the greatest ones. I, I ship them from, I'm, I'm ridiculous. I'm obsessed. But they're only a means to an end. That sort of euphoric, like, oh, wow, isn't that incredible? I wouldn't care if they were little, little dead scorpions if they brought me to that point. You know what I mean? So it's so it, it, it you have to put your brand, your product, in its proper context. It is not valuable and sacred all by itself. But what it makes possible, that's the valuable and sacred thing. And it's not losing sight of that. You got to remember that, and not just get so fixated on that other thing. You get fixated on what we're doing, how we're doing it, blah blah blah, blah all that kind of stuff. You're gonna get so close to it, so into it, you're gonna drop out of communication with your audience. And it's gonna it will it, it has cost companies millions, millions upon millions upon millions of lost sales, lost business, lost growth. Wow. It's you've given us a lot. I don't know if anybody's mind is is as full as mine is, but it'll definitely be a rewatch for me. So I can't tell you thank you enough. So if you guys aren't following, David is putting out content all the time. It is so rich, so meaty. So I'm gonna give you some links. Um, this is um, one of his fast company uh, articles. So, what's innovate? What is innovation? And um, a great video, a great, a great, great video. And then, that, that you'll love. And then this is these are some of his slide shares. This is um, exposure pickle, social media explained, which is really good. He has great humor. If you didn't catch, pick up on that today. <laughs> And Linda, I'm glad. Me too. My mind is blown. I'm exciting and glad that you guys are um, blown minds as well. So this is a great one. Make sure you watch it. The other slideshows are awesome. So And they've had thousands and hundreds of thousands, half a million hits. 570,000 five, <laughs> views worldwide. That's incredible. Five hundred seventy thousand rules. And but 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 you, there's one there's one thing that you that you said that you you're gonna make sure that I didn't talk about. <laughs> yeah, the pay hair. How to grow? Right. What's that? How to grow your pay hair? How to? Isn't that what it was? Well, you, don't you don't you have the visual because it, the, the visual tells the story. I don't. I don't. Oh, you don't have the visual. No, I'm sorry. Oh. I'm so sorry. All right. Well, well, those, those, those that, those that want, those that want what I want to know what I am unwilling to talk about, <laughs> then you should, you should, you should email Diane or, or somehow reach out to Diane, and she will, she will communicate with you. Or, or you can reach out to me. You could reach out to either one of us, and you will find out what I, exactly what I'm unwilling to talk about. <laughs> this is how you reach me, and I'm going to share how you reach David in just a second. Here's um, another link, again, for Rising Above the Noise. And this is David's website. It's incredible. You guys should go there. And then um, this is the before, uh, before and after for the rebrand. <coughs> um, and this is for a tech company, right? That is the... Um is that the one with Milestone Systems? I, the, the Inc. 5000 tech company? Yep. 
Yep. And Let me just see. Let me just click on the more. Let me see. That one is, yeah, that's the, that's, that's a, that's an incredible before and after that will, if you're in any way dealing with a company that exists and has kind of lost their way or they're not getting the traction, that's a great example of getting a company back on track. And then the full story on this brand, um, this is a logo for a startup brand. It says, um, uh, fast company blogger, David Breyer. So make sure you, uh, click on this one. And there's, there's some incredible stuff. So you guys um, definitely get there, follow him, and I will see you next week. Thank you for hanging out. I'm so glad to see some people back, and I um, will be back through. We won't be here Christmas, but we'll be here on January 2nd. So the rest of December is full. So if you want to get in touch with me, a great place is Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And if you never want to miss an episode, sign up at subscribeland, designrecharge.org slash subscribeland, and you'll get the emails, and then you'll get um, reminders and things like that. Laura, thanks so much. You guys have a great day. David, again, thank you so much. You were incredible. It will definitely be a rewatch. Well, absolutely. It was my pleasure. And all of you, rock on. Show the world what you're made of. Just be, just rebel against stupidity and mediocrity and vanilla infested beige and just have a ball. Awesome. <laughs> well, you guys have a great week and I'll see you next week. Bye, David. Thanks so much. You're very, very welcome.